This is episode number 93 with Mike Michalowicz. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. up everyone thanks so much for hanging out today man it's been a it's been a fun last couple of weeks with the school of greatness podcast had some awesome guests on if you missed 90 and 91 and 92 they were all inspiring and uh, i just love the guests that i get to bring on and i get to learn from them and i get to share with you all their inspiring wisdom and experience so i'm super pumped because we're getting close to 100 and i can't believe it i just started this thing like a year and a half ago and we're almost there so very excited thank you guys for all the support for sharing this for subscribing for uh, leaving reviews that you guys leave on iTunes. I just am so appreciative. So thank you guys very much. I want to give you guys a quick fact about me because you've been asking to share more personal uh, facts about me. Uh, some of you may or may not know that I actually went to a private boarding school. That's right. When I was in eighth grade, I moved away from my hometown of Delaware, Ohio, very small town in uh, central Ohio, about 20 miles north of Columbus. And I moved away into a dorm with about 10 other guys, maybe about 15 of us in this middle school boys dorm. And then the high school I went to as well in St. Louis had about a hundred guys in the dorm. So I lived in a dorm for three and a half years until I, uh, my, uh, my mom moved out to St. Louis and I, I was a day student. So it was a, a boarding school that had day students, people that lived in St. Louis and then also students from all over the world, uh, speaking lots of different languages and from different cultures that we lived together in a dorm. And don't worry, it was co-ed, so it wasn't just an all-boys school. I don't think I would have been able to go, but it was my choice to go. And uh, I was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had in my life was leaving home when I was 13 and learning from all these individuals and this school experience. So that's a little fact about me. Uh, We've got a guest on today. His name is Mike Michalowicz, and I butcher his name constantly, so hopefully that's the way to say it still. Uh, we've got a very cool interview because he talks about his, his new book, which is called Profit First, and it's a simple system to transform any business from a cash-eating monster to a money-making machine. That's right. And it was I was fascinated, actually, by the, the interview because Mike has a different approach about running a business where you actually... Profit first, you pay yourself first, and you put that aside, and then whatever's left over, then you use that for your expenses, for your marketing, for your um, everything that you want to do to promote your business. It's very interesting the way he thinks about it, and uh, some great case studies he shares in this book and in this episode. So take some notes and uh, prepare for an awesome interview. And without further ado, guys, let's go ahead and dive into this episode with the one and only Mike Michalowicz. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. 
I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. Super pumped to have my man Mike Michalowicz on. What's up, Mike? Lois, how you doing, brother? Doing well. I'm uh, I'm excited to tap into this information because uh, it's really interesting how you shifted things around in running a business and the the ways that you've supported people with this new book you have called Profit First and kind of flipping this old system and old mentality that all of us kind of have been taught or have been doing, or I would say most of us, and this approach you have into this new system and this new formula for making money and profit in your business. So I'm really excited to dive into this, and uh, thanks so much for coming on. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. I'm flattered to be here, really, truly. Yeah. And now let's just go ahead and dive in because sure. we've got a lot to cover and I want to make sure that everyone gets this information. Um, but in the, in the book, you kind of set the context with this, what you call the recency effect, which is, right. wh- which is the whole reason why this formula called the profit first system came about really was understanding this recency effect. Wouldn't you say that? Yeah. Yeah. And the recency effect was uh, uh, something I realized in, in behavioral science, and it's not something that I necessarily studied, but I kind of fell across, that we as business owners or actually in any aspect of life, when we see the availability of something, if we see a large amount of money in our bank account, whatever happens recently, we think that's the standard going forward. So we see lots of money in our bank account. We're like, hot dog. Business is going <laughs> is cruising. You know, It's going to be awesome. We see no money. We're like, oh, business sucks. I don't know how I'm ever going to get out of this. And our interpretation is out of what we see in the moment. One mm. one example I love to share is uh, with uh, like toilet paper or other resources. Time, like if we see a full roll of toilet paper, we consume more. Our perception is, oh, there's an unlimited supply. When there's nothing left or very little, we navigate with what we have. So, the the lesson is this: that our behavior is dictated upon what we perceive in the moment recently and if we see an excess we spend an excess but we can leverage this to our advantage that if we see a small amount of stuff we inherently become innovative less toilet paper mm. you let you figure out how to navigate with less toilet paper uh, if there's less money if we intentionally deprive ourselves of money if we reserve profit and tuck it away hide it away from ourselves and there's less money for expenses we'll actually start adjusting our business to run more efficiently with less money mm. okay and this came about from watching a, a, a late night infomercial, didn't it? You like came up with this, this idea. It did. And what was that it, exactly? It, it was cool. It was I was watching this guy and he was talking about obesity in in our country, actually globally, and said the problem is simply this. It's too many calories. We're we're not exercising enough. We mean we're not burning enough, but we're consuming too much to get started. And therefore, uh, you do the math, take in too much, sp- exhaust too little, and uh, you're gonna get fat. So he said the principle is simply this reduce the size of the plates at your house. And why that works Hmm. is we can continue our habit. Our habit has always been to fill up our plate and eat what's on our plate. If we throw out our current plates and get plates that are half the size, you will still fill up your plate and eat what's on your plate. But it puts these guardrails in place to take on less calories, to eat less. And in business, so I correlate this to business, immediately take out our profits, hide it away first, and now it's like a smaller plate. There's less money for expenses. Mm. We will still fill it up. 
you still fill it up. You still consume it all. But because <laughs> there's less of it, you're not going to put on, you're not going to get an obese business. I like that. I like that a lot. So, so explain the old formula and then now the new formula. Yeah, so the old formula is called GAP. It's, it exists today. It's actually it's enforced by the SEC for public companies. Almost every small company uses it. And simply this, sales minus expenses equals profit. That's why they call profit the bottom line. Incomes at the top, you take out your, all your expenses in between, and profit's the leftover. But that's the absurdity of it. Profit is the leftover. It's an afterthought. At the end of the year, was there any money? <laughs> I, I, I propose a new formula, and it's this. The profit-first formula is sales minus profit equals expenses. Now, the concept of this is sell as much as you can, just as you always would. But first, extract a percentage to be profit, 10, 5, 15%. Reserve that away. Now, the remainder is expenses. You have to find a way to make your business operate on the remainder. And as the recency effect points out, you will find a way to make it work. Mm, yeah, you'll get more creative. You'll... Uh you won't just overspend. You'll 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 spend on what you need to. And you'll stretch it to make it last for what you need to. Right? You'll stretch That's exactly the, the, the toilet right. paper. You'll stretch it to every last wipe. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, it's exactly. It's, it's funny, but it's you use less true. and less to get the wipes. It's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. Oh man. Okay. Um, now, what does the you know you talk about opening a couple of different accounts, and in order to make this work, you're basically automatically taking out a certain percentage first into the profit account that you don't touch and you don't even see, and you make it really challenging to get that money. Isn't that right? Yeah. So I suggest when it comes to profit and reserving money for taxes, you know, the temptation is to borrow, you know, air quotes, borrow from ourselves. I suggest take that money, move it, move it to a second bank. And here's the deal. No convenience options, no online banking, no checkbook even. The only way you can withdraw this money is you drive over to that bank branch, the manager comes out, and they write you a cashier's check, a banker's check. And by making you have to go through all this deliberation, deliberate process, uh, all these iterations to get the money, you're less likely to borrow it. And one example, my addiction is Twizzlers. I, you know, I'm addicted to candy. It's not in my house. Because if it's in the house, I will be eating it relentlessly. Right. So the temptation, it's, it's at the stores. I just don't go to the stores that even carry it because I, I'm that weak when it comes to Twizzlers. With our money, same thing. Don't have it accessible. Don't keep it in your current bank account where you do your, operate, your, your business banking because the day that things are a little bit tight, the temptation will be to borrow from yourself. And that's where this whole system falls apart. Mm, I like that. Yeah, and the, the challenge is that... You know, this is interesting in a lot of ways, and I want to want to dive into this here in a second. But the challenge is that something that I've always thought is like, if I just continue to make more money and generate more sales, then my business is going to be better and healthier. But there's a difference between how big your business is and how healthy it is. Correct? <laughs> yeah, I, I just laugh because uh, the how big it is is a question is the one that's been around forever. And uh, people go phallic with this instantly. And maybe there's some phallic ties. You know, how is big it, is, is this it? a sexual question? It sounds that way, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but the, the old adage has been when you and I, you know, we're entrepreneurs, we meet each other. I say, well, how big is your business? And I won't often say the words just like that. I'll say, you know, how many employees do you have now? Where's sales looking like? Who mm. bring on new customers? But the, the bragging rights has been around size. And, then the mindset right. becomes that bigger is better. Uh, and I, dude, I was so stuck in this mentality 
all I cared about was bigger, 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 so I could brag about the millions of revenue right. that was coming in. But how much are you actually ma- making and saving, right? That's the Yeah, and profiting. we never talked, of, never talked <laughs> about that. So my business, uh, the second year, second, we're two and a half years into the business when it was acquired by a Fortune 500, and which sounds amazing, right? And and it was uh, we were doing we were on a run for seven and a half million in revenue, bootstrapped. There was no investing, which it was just rocketing. But behind the scenes, <laughs> shitty, right? So we, uh, I was barely taking a paycheck. Uh, we had a credit line of two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and and we needed to amp up the line just to keep things going. Our monthly nut was two hundred thousand dollars and growing for Jeez. you know staff. And uh, if we so if we didn't have uh, if we didn't bring in a project one given month, like I had to find two hundred thousand. I don't know where to find that. Right, guy. right. The stress was insane, and I found that this is the entrepreneurial adage. It's it's always to talk about your size. The 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 winner is the guy with the biggest business, and that's nonsense. The question that I propose in Profit First is: We all have to ask each other, how healthy is it? Mm. How healthy is our business? What's the bottom line look like? I'd rather have a two hundred thousand dollar business, and it's all virtual. My overheads combined is ten thousand dollars, and I'm taking home one hundred ninety, as opposed to a five million dollar business and i as the owner i'm taking home seventy thousand right and, uh, and the reason I, I, I know someone that's doing five million and taking home seventy thousand and the stress for this guy is insane insane yeah it's bigger means more responsibility more stress it doesn't necessarily mean a healthier bottom line yeah I have, mean- I have a good friend of mine who's actually been on the show uh who is doing a lot better now and it's like everything is changing for him but for five or six years he was bringing in a million in, in sales in his business and only paying himself forty three thousand dollars <laughs> and he was always stressed because he, he had to cover the overhead and pay his employees and everything else i was like dude you got to start paying yourself like i'm not an expert at this stuff yet like i'm still trying to figure it out myself right but you got to pay yourself first and you got to pay yourself in my mind at least a hundred grand for all that you're creating for everyone you're creating all this wealth and 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 resources for everyone else, and you're not taking what you're worth. And I was just like, "You're you're crazy, man." And I so, agree. <laughs> he's totally. finally doing that. He's finally paying himself that, and like everything is way smoother. But it took him years to like understand this principle. Um, and I'm sure there's never like we're never gonna figure it all out. I'm sure there's always gonna be like a, the next step, the next thing to learn and discover. But you gotta pay yourself first, I think. And you, know, I, I, you gotta be selfish, right? Yeah, and it's not even me selfish. Like, if we don't pay ourselves first, we start resenting our business. Yes. It starts owning us. I, I I have a great example of this. I, I do when I do a public speaking you know type of event. I'll ask the audience. I'll say, uh, who here has some great employees? And you know, people raise their hand. So I'll point a few people in the audience. I'm like, what's the name of your best employee? And the person says Joe. I'm like, uh, what's your name? And he's like, it's it's you know Dave. Okay. Next person, what's your favorite employee? <laughs> he says Sue. I say, okay. What's your name? It's Mark. I say, how come no one is saying their own name? That's how come the best employee? And the, it's wired into us to think the best employee is someone else. And then I ask them, well, what do you do for your best employee? Do you, do you ever miss their payroll? Do you ever cut, cut their, their salary? Do you ever tell them um, that they, they can't go on vacation or take Christmas off? Mm-hmm. Like, no way. I would never do that. Then I'm like, why the F are you doing it to yourself? Right. Because you... When you own a business, there's no one that works as hard as you, that's as driven as you, is committed, can sell as well as you. An owner is always the best employee, almost always the best employee. Right. And, but we don't treat ourselves that way. And that's where the relationship 
and the resentment for our business forms. I agree with you, Lewis, 110%. If you own a business, you have to pay yourself as the best employee. You've got to pay yourself first. Mm, I like that. Interesting. What does TAPS stand for? TAPS it stands for uh, the acronym is TAPS. It stands for Target Allocation Percentages. I studied companies from small business. It's considered small business. Fifty million would be the highest, down to brand new startups, zero in revenue. So a guy that does a hundred thousand to a company that does fifty million, and everything in between. And I did analysis of a thousand companies and found that the healthiest of these companies run at certain percentages. And interestingly, um, a, a business that does a million dollars in revenue, I found some companies were taking upwards of 20% of top line revenue for owner's pay. So a million dollar company, that person was taking home 200,000. Mm -hmm. but, but on top of that, they were also taking a 5% profit distribution at the end of the year, another 50,000. Hmm. On top of that, they were taking another, I think it was 15% reserved for tax responsibilities. So when the owner got their tax bill, he didn't have to dig into his pocket. He took it out of the company, right? Yeah, the company paid it for him. That, that's the whole reason we have a company, to give us financial freedom. The company had reserved it, and they were running the business off the remainder. So a million-dollar company was only incurring maybe 50% or 40% in operational expenses, payroll, rent, all that stuff. So I did this for all different size companies and found that there was different ranges of revenue and then different taps revealed themselves. So a company that does under 250000 usually the owner's taking a substantial amount of money because they literally are the only employee. They do everything. They do everything. They're a freelancer, effectively. They're not really an entrepreneur yet. But a company that does a million, like your friend, uh, typically they're taking a smaller percentage, but upwards of 20%. And a company that does, say, $10 million, usually the owner's taking about 10%, so maybe a million dollars in revenue. Again, the healthiest companies. So what I tell a business is you know, need to know what your taps are. And in the book, Profit First, I just have all these different ranges documented. And then what we can do is we take our current business, as long as we know the revenue and everyone knows their own revenue, you just run the taps against it and it'll tell you the percentages you want to target. But the mm -hmm. key is this. That's simply a target. It's not a starting point. Uh, you know, you're, you're a formal, former pro athlete. Like, I'm sure you didn't. Like, you weren't born and and running on the field that first day. You, I'm sure you put on some muscle and weight, yeah. and you had to age a little bit. The years of experience. Yeah, practice. I'm sure you played high school ball, college. Like you got to step up to it. In our business, we need to do the same thing. If you instantly start playing the pro league version, you're going to get crushed. Mm. You have to build up to it. So I suggest knowing what the taps are, targets, but start with caps our current allocation percentage. And if you've never taken a profit before, don't start with 15% or 10%. Start with 1%. Then every mm, quarter, every really 90 days, amplify it. Every 90 days, add another percent, then another percent. Slowly start building up and allocate more and more over time so you can adjust to it, so you can build that profit muscle. I really like this. Yeah, I would say that a lot of the people listening, there's probably a lot of people that are inspired to have their own company and to be an entrepreneur, but then there's also a lot of entrepreneurs who are making you know, 300,000 a year, upwards to five to 10 million, some people who are listening. So probably around the seven figure range or high six figure range they're making in their business. For those individuals listening, what would you recommend to start out as, um, you know, how much one first, how much they should be taking percentage to pay themselves? Uh, let's just call it a million dollars or uh, a year and or does it increase and decrease is there is there a scale uh, a sliding scale depending on how much more you 
the company makes and yes. then um you know kind of like give them a little roadmap a simple roadmap of how to set this up i've got a bunch of other questions and obviously you talk about this in the in the book but just to give people kind of the context of what they could be creating how much time it takes to set this up yeah and what it looks like yeah so there is a sliding scale and I, I'm not trying to do a self-promotion here, but I'm totally doing a self-promotion here. <laughs> if, if you go to MikeMichalowicz.com or, or read Profit First, the book, I have the chart that says the sliding scale, these taps that you should target. Cool. But yeah, and I can, the, I'll link it up in the show notes as well Is there if there's a oh, specific link. or There is um, a specific link. Okay, there, cool. Yeah. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host canva presents unexplained appearances it was an ordinary workday until that presentation appeared out of thin air also it's eerily on brand Wait, did that agenda just write itself words appear making this unexplainable case unexplainable it's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. Perfect. The, but the, the simple system is this. If you're an established business, look at what kind of profitability you had last year, determine that as a percentage of your revenue, and then add 1%. And for the next 90 days, that's going to be our pre-allocation of profit. Then after 90 days, we're going to add another percent, and then another percent. So every year, you're adding 4% to your profit, but you're also adding 4% of that top line. This is 4% of your top line, not, not 4% more, but 4% of your top line income is now going to your profit. 4% more every year of your top line income is going to your own pay. So if you were a million-dollar company last year, another 40000 4%, is going to be going into your income this year. Another mm. 40000 will be going into your profit. Hmm. So... It's a, it, we're turning up the dial, and we're starting to turn up pretty quickly, but it also means that money has to come out somewhere. So as we increase our profit by 40000 our income by 40000 we have to decrease our operating expenses by 80000 And if, if you just turn up the throttle instantly, cutting your expenses that fast is going to be a brutal change. But if you do this by 1% a quarter, $10,000 price increase, which would be 1% of a million, I'm sorry, $10,000 profit increase, $10,000 um, Income increase uh, for yourself, that's a $20,000 cost cut you have to do over the next three months. It becomes more manageable. Mm. So you do, it, you do it in this scaling kind of technique. When you ask, like, how, when do you start implementing this, start today. You know, the mm. folks listening in now, the first step is set up additional accounts at your bank immediately. If you have one checking account, maybe one savings account, set up a profit account, set up a tax account, set up a pay account for yourself immediately. Start transferring this money over immediately. Start these low percentages, whatever you've been doing historically, plus 1%, so you can start getting into the rhythm. But there, there's no need to delay. And if you delay, it's just you're waiting on your profits. You've got to start mm. taking profit today. Now, is there ever a case that the profit first system won't work or doesn't work? Is there just uh, that there's just too much debt or it's gone too far? 
So yeah, so that's I've yet to find a case where it doesn't work, but there is some specific challenges where people get off the tracks. One is if they have debt. So people say, well, I want to be, wait until all my debt's gone before I'm profitable. The lesson is this. The only way you can eradicate debt is by being profitable. Meaning if you break even and you have debt, you'll never pay that debt off. You have to be profitable. Mm. So, so if you have debt, it's even more important that you do the system. <laughs> and as you start allocating money toward profit, here's the distinction. At the end of the quarter, I suggest you do a profit distribution, that you take money for yourself. But if you have debt, when that profit distribution comes out, it goes to service your debt. Mm. And um, in the government's eyes, you're still profitable. And this is, it's kind of the, the paying for your sins experience. When, when you have debt and, and you start accumulating profit and use that profit to pay off your credit card or whatever it is, you're still going to get taxed on it. And people say, well, hold on. I didn't take anything. You hmm. went to paying the credit cards. But the reality is when you incurred that debt initially, those expenses and paid with your credit card, you got a tax benefit. But you got a tax benefit off the credit card's company's money. It wasn't your money. So now you're paying for those sins, so to speak. As you're accumulating profit, you are going to have to pay the tax responsibility for it and eradicate your debt at the same time. This mm. is how it works. But once that debt is finally eradicated once and for all, the next time that profit distribution comes out, it's going into your pocket. Mm. You know, some of the stuff I love, yeah, for some people listening, they may seem like this is a little overwhelming or, again, managing finances is not my thing or I'm not an accountant. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what, like, I get a little intimidated by this sometimes. Like there are definitely moments where I've been intimidated by one, the amount of money that's come in, in my account. And I'm like, holy crap, this is incredible. Uh, yeah. you know, like, cause there was, there's been years where I was broke and then wasn't making yeah. any money. And then all of a sudden I just like my first year really in business, I made a million dollars in sales. And I was like, what do I do with this? I was like a puppy chasing a dog, a uh, puppy chasing a, a ball, right? I was like, I don't yeah. know what to do with this when I get it. Well, what do I do next? It's like, do I just throw it up in the air myself and play with it? Do I <laughs> find someone else to give it to? Like, what do I do? Right. And, um, so the thing is though that, and I'm still like intimidated sometimes, like the more money my business makes, I'm like, uh, I don't know what to do. Like, do I keep reinvesting it? Do I pay more myself? Do I hire people? Like, you know, that's, I don't want to have all this entire, uh, all these employees to manage. So it's like, there's yeah. all these questions that I have still, I'm still learning and discovering and, and figuring out business myself as I'm in it. And the greatest lesson is like making mistakes and, and, you know, reading books and learning and, and figuring out different different systems that you can apply. So what I want to say to everyone listening is like, take it one step at a time and allow yourself, if it's scary, like allow yourself to be scared for a moment. And if it's scary for you, then have someone else support you in setting this up with you. So bring someone on who's an expert, find an accountant, whatever it may be and say, hey, I want to apply this system and I want to really like start small. Uh, here's the things I need to do. Will you read this book with me? Uh, let's support me with this. Like really find someone to support you to take that, uh, to give you that peace of mind is what I would say. You know, there, there's nothing like accountability. When, when you hit the gym, if you really want to get into it, hire a trainer, of course, work out with a peer and, and you'll, you'll be perfect. So I, I found the same thing just as you were just saying is, is match up with another entrepreneur that's going through the process to mm. be peer support. And, uh, the accountant and bookkeeper thing, I believe in so much. I actually set up a website, profit first professionals. These are, not every bookkeeper or accountant gets this. A lot of bookkeepers or accountants will say, "Ah, just do it the old way." <laughs> you know, that's the, it didn't it didn't work, but that's the way we've always done it. Right. Um, so I'm finding that there are certain bookkeepers and accountants that understand how to em employ the profit technique we're talking about and how to drive profitably in your business. And you match up with a, a quote unquote trainer like that, 
these people are now going to be pushing you hard. So mm, I like uh, as, a, as a resource, you can use something like that. Profit First Professionals finds these folks for you. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely check that out. And these guys are all vetted or they, at least you've yeah, we vet them out. Gotcha. And they, yeah, so like you know, accountants are, are reading this concept, saying, "Oh my God, I believe this. I, I support it, and I'm doing it." And we're like, we're going to add you to the list because wow. there's people looking for you. That's cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, you talk about a moment where you were watching Susie Or uh, Orman. <laughs> that was a life changing moment for you. What was that moment? So I never watched Susie Orman. I've never I've never read any of her books. I've never even seen her TV show. But I'm flipping the channels, and she's on Channel 13. That's the public channel where I am, and. On there, she is speaking to an audience of people that have debt um, or are financially constrained. And she said a line that just resonated with me, and, and I'm going to paraphrase it. She said, if you want to be financially wealthy and healthy, you have to get more joy out of not spending than you get out of spending. Hmm. And to me, that was this big aha that it was ju it's just if you th – this is an emotional game we're in. And it's funny, my colleague, he's down the hallway, he just pointed at himself. Uh, he came on board with me uh, a few months ago, and he, he's established a very nice position for himself financially because he pointed to himself because he gets more emotional joy out of saving money, more satisfaction out of that. Mm -hmm. And But most of us get more joy out of spending. Mm. Oh, I got in something new. I got a new item. And that we get in a trap. And when she, when she said this, it was just this big awakening that if I can change my relationship to be joyful out of mm. saving money, I'll be financially successful for the rest of my life. Mm. And that's how I, I, so I developed this profit first system around rewarding ourselves for saving, not rewarding ourselves for spending. Now, I mean, if we're saving, are we just hoarding money? Like, why aren't we, we're not, are we not contributing to the economy and to the world by spending? You know, isn't this what we're supposed to be doing is spending? <laughs> So I guess it sounds like that's like what what uh, someone wants us to believe. <laughs> Are we just but, if we're just saving it? What's the point of saving it? We're, we're going to die someday. Might as well spend right, it. Right, right, right. No, it's it's how we spend it. Um, I believe if our business spends less, uh, you know, there's an adage that takes money to make money. I say bullshit. Mm. I believe the less money we spend, it forces us to become more efficient because money gives us money is an amazing tool. It gives us resources. Uh, it gives us you know, websites or whatever we need to get our thing done. The more money we have, the more things we can do, but our natural tendency is to become more diverse, more spread out, and mm. we become thin. The less, it's ironic, the less money we send, spend, it means the less things we can do. Right. Well, if, if we do less things, it means we need to service less types of problems. And if we service or fix less problems, it means that we have to focus on a more narrow customer space. It, it, puts, it forces us to become niched, and that's where actually the wealth is. So by spending less, we actually do less. Uh, we have to become better at doing less, and therefore we make more money. So it actually it, it sparks the economy. It starts flowing more money into us. Mm. Then as the, as the wealth accumulates in personally, spend it however you feel fit. Uh, the whole reason is, is our business is to give us financial freedom. So I, I, I don't have advice for you personally. Uh, enjoy <laughs> your money. Enjoy your money. Uh, amplify yourself. But when it comes to our business, the less we spend – the more, the better it becomes. Interesting. So, Interesting. So what do we do with that money once we've saved, you know, millions and millions? What do we do then? We've got a profit account that's just been making and saving money for years. Like, then what? Do you yeah, ever spend so it? I did. And so I, that's almost how I ruined myself. So I'll tell you what not to do. Don't go out and buy three luxury cars the same day. Oh, my gosh. Don't, 
I bought and, and a Viper to boot. Don't um don't move into the most expensive town in your communities with the intention of buying the biggest house. Don't join the club. Don't become an arrogant dick like I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I was so full. Once I sold my second company, I was so full of myself, believing that this is the norm. I felt compelled to prove to the world how successful I was, and that's the mistake. I, there's an old saying in poker that the guy that's that's showing he has the strongest hand is bluffing because he has a weak hand. And the only way he's going to win the table is if he can scare everyone else off the table. So he pretends hmm. to be big. The guy with the weak hand, uh, with the strong hand will pretend to be weak. He wants everyone else to stay on the table so he can take their money. Well, in life, it's the same way. The people that have to show their success aren't successful. Hmm. The people that don't feel compelled to show success have the innate confidence in themselves. They're the most successful. So I, I've learned... When I need, when I use money to show success, I'm not successful. Mm. Now, as well as I'm going through my second generation of experiencing wealth, I'm learning that it's all about enjoying it, serving others, expressing myself, but not mm. needing to show off. Mm. Yeah, I like that. And I, you know, some might say that, well, don't have to show off in some ways to be credible and to. You know, if I'm building a brand, don't we want to make sure that there's social proof and all these things that increase our influence and our awareness? Yeah. So I think there's a like a it's kind of like a dance between a dance. showing but not being egotistical about it and not bragging, but also setting the context for what you've created in a grateful way, right? I agree. I agree. The, the essence from my experience is being absolutely authentic, though. I, yes. I know a lot of people, or I shouldn't say no, I've, I've crossed paths with, with enough people to know now that there's a lot of BS out there. And the desire to influence others, uh, we put up a fake front. But then when the truth is found out, the entire thing collapses. There was a, a TV show, you've probably heard of these instances, there was a TV show recently where this guy says he's an army ranger, he has all these outdoor survival skills, blah, blah, blah. And he's on television only to find out that he was never an army ranger. Shut up. Blah, blah, blah. And the whole thing, yeah. Uh, uh, and the whole thing fell apart. And the guy who got ripped off of the television immediately and then collapsed. Now, now, the question for the consumer is what else is he lying about? And we have to be very careful mm. of that, of putting up this front to want people to emulate us, even though it's a fake front. Mm. So I hear you saying there's a little bit of a dance, but I think we can. I think our authenticity trumps it all. And if we show the ugly warts we've had, and maybe we're sitting in a great position today, recognizing that it's not always smooth travels, that there is going to be bumpy times, and, and showing both sides, I think, is even more appealing than the yeah, everything's fantastic, everything's perfect, you want my life type of mentality. <laughs> yeah, absolutely be authentic. You know, throughout yeah. this interview, I've been like, you know, I'm still figuring my finances out. And, you know, yeah. I, I feel like I've got a handle on things to a certain degree. And I'm, you know, I'm not struggling. I've, I'm making money. I've got employees that are making good money. And, you know, I feel like, okay, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, I'm probably burning more money than I should be. And I should really take a look at like what I'm spending and why am I spending those things? And are, are they as efficient as they can be? And part of me is kind of like, well, you know, who cares? I should just make more money. <laughs> and then, yeah. it, then it won't matter because I can, you know, afford to spend those things if I just like make twice as much money. But I really like the idea of like, well, if that's the case, then I'll probably be spending a double the amount of expenses because I'll be like, 
well, let's bring this on and this thing and, you know, this person and not being as efficient with my resources, with my creativity. So awareness, huge awareness. Yeah. So I definitely, you know, see that like my business, you know, I feel like extremely blessed and grateful where it's at, but it's like, man, there's probably like 10, $15,000 a month that I'm spending that I probably don't need to. And, uh, you know, I probably need to be saving more and profiting more first, like in the system. So I'm definitely going to take a look at this and have my, 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 uh, financial manager, which is my mom, uh, awesome. who, works, who works for me full time. She's going to definitely dive into this and I'm going to say, mom, do this, open these two new accounts and put more money in the profit first. So, so, so you know what, what a great ally to have someone that, that loves you yes. and also managing your books. This is someone who's going to put, yeah, put it first. And yeah. it, here's what's the great thing about the system. It changes shoulds to musts. And, um, once you implement the system, the, the process of saying 10% has to go here, it forces that conversation to change to, okay, I must cut expenses. Yeah. I like and, that. And, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So just what you're, the thought process you're going through there saying, well, if I can, I can just grow out of this is the trap. That's what I call yeah. the survival trap. <laughs> Most entrepreneurs believe they can grow out of it. And so that, then it becomes a perpetual growth. But to grow fast enough, you need to spend fast enough, they think. Mm-hmm. So they start spending more. And sure enough, they're growing a little bit, but they're spending faster. So they say, shit, I gotta grow more. So they start pushing more growth. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, the expenses climb at such a fast rate that growth now becomes the only option. And it's a death. It's wow, a death. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. And that's kind of like what you were saying. You're at $200,000. Uh, you know, your nut was 200000 a month. And you were like, Terrified. Like, how am I going to bring this in next month if I don't sell? Oh, um, every morning was about <laughs> selling morning, day, and night. Yeah, and I really like the 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 automation part of this. You know, with Ramit Sethi. I don't know if you know Ramit, but yeah. um, in his in his book, it's really talking about setting up accounts and paying them first in order to for your investments. So he says, you know, the you know I take two thousand dollars out a month for one account that automatically is taken out of my account. And put into another account every month, like it's a must. I don't. I'm not even aware of it. It's automatically gone. And then yep. I've got two hundred dollars for insurance that comes out every month. That's like automatically in this account. And then another five hundred in my uh, my my other savings account or whatever it may be, right? My four hundred one k or IRA. It's like all this money goes into these different accounts automatically, so I don't even see that money. Yeah. So it's kind of like yeah. it's kind of like setting that up with a. 20% automatically goes into your profit account without you even seeing it, right? It's the exact same system. I like that. You mentioned, you mentioned the 401k. It's been the greatest savings mechanism in U.S. history is that automatic withdrawal before the employee actually gets the money. Right? Because they don't feel yeah. like they just lost all this money. Right, exactly. This is the exact same system. The very first thing is profit first. It goes into that profit account. You don't see it, and you live off the remainder as a business. The exact same principle. Man, it's it's so simple, but it seem, it makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, you have a chapter where you talk about destroying debt, and I'm extremely grateful that I'm out of debt. My dad used to love being in debt for some reason. He was an huh. insurance uh, salesman and had an insurance business and was doing extremely well. And he loved debt based, you know, I don't even know why, but he's like, he was comfortable living in it because he could leverage off of different things and it worked for him. For me, it, cre- it created a lot of stress when I had student loans and I was living on three credit cards and I was like, this stresses me out that I feel like I'm not in control of my finances. I don't feel like I've figured it out and I haven't mastered it yet if I'm in debt. Now, maybe that's just a perception, but that's how I was feeling. Uh, so can you share some some tips or some strategies on how to pay down debt simply yes. without it yeah. being a, a pain? Yep. 
and I've had the same experience. Debt is constant stress. And I read a book by this guy named Dave Ramsey, who uh-huh. you may have heard of. He wrote a book called The Total Money Makeover. And one of his principles, which I reiterate in the book and, and give him full credit, is called a debt snowball. And what he suggests is historically we've been told if you have debt, pick the highest interest rate stuff and wipe that out first because that's where you're spending the most money. And he says, no, that doesn't match human behavior. He says, instead, do what's called debt snowball. Sort your debt by smallest amount to biggest amount due. Then Mm. pay the minimum payment. Do everything you can to maintain all that debt to pay the minimum. But any remaining dollar above the minimum, use to wipe out the first smallest debt. And you'll wipe that one out fast. So maybe you have one debt. Maybe it's like $100 that you owe a friend. Maybe the next one's $1,000 on a credit card. And then you have a uh, student loan for $50,000 and maybe a mortgage for $200,000. And you know, it can go way more than this. But say you have those four. If we try to tackle the student loan first uh, with everything we have, that friend debt stands out forever. And you know, it, we can wipe it out fast. Well, the second you wipe that $100 out, it's gone. You now target every extra penny you have on the next debt, that credit card. The second that $1,000 is gone, all that stuff that was being allocated to the credit card, the minimum plus some, now gets snowballed in to pay the next debt. Mm. And you start getting this momentum. You tear up, hey, I don't have my friend anymore. Within it's a day. also like, like an accomplishment as well. Like each little yes. one is an accomplishment. Yes. You feel good. You're like, okay, the next one. As opposed to I've got this daunting debt, like my school loans are going to take me 10 years to pay off Correct. first. Jeez, is this ever going to be completed, you know? Correct. Depressing. <laughs> Depressing. So it builds this muscle. You have small victories early on. And that's actually a quote I've come up with in my book. I, profit is not an event. It's a habit. I, I believe that if you really want to have a profitable company, it's small wins. Every day, allocating a small percentage. Yeah, 10% of a $100 deposit is only 10 bucks. It doesn't seem like much money, but 10 bucks every single day, pile that up over a month, that's 300 bucks. Pile up over a year, it's 3,000, 4,000 bucks. That's a, that's a nice little profit distribution sure. at the end of the year. That's, that's almost a vacation, a nice right, vacation. Right, right. So, so it's these small victories. So if you want to eradicate that, it's the same principle. Tackle the small stuff first and hit that hard. Mm, I like it. I like it. You say sales without first putting efficiency measures and systems in place is a dangerous game. That only leads to bigger expenses and fewer ideal clients. So why is efficiency the magical sauce of profitability? And we've talked about this already, but why specifically? Money, the money's an efficiency. Um, manufacturers know this. I, so I, I'm a co-owner in a manufacturing business in St. Louis, and uh, called Hedgehog Leatherworks. And and as we we're building the company, uh, we realized that you can't go back to the client every day and ask for more money for the same product. <laughs> and at a certain point, they're like, no. But <laughs> if you become if you become more efficient in how you make it, you cut the cost. You can get the same product done in half the time, half the labor. Uh, you can make a significant profit. And then it hit me like a ton of bricks. Every business is a manufacturer. Like, Lewis, you're a manufacturer. You're manufacturing mm-hmm. an experience for your readership and for your following and for your yep. clientele. I'm manufacturing an experience. So they realize that we're all building something. Now the question is, how do we get to that same end deliverable faster? Because if we can get there faster and get the same result, if we can get there easier at the same result, it's going to cost us less. So the customer will be still paying the same dollar amount, whatever that dollar amount is. But if we get there faster and easier, we spend less to get there. Mm. Huge profitability opens itself up. 
Nice. I like it. I want to wrap things up and ask a couple last questions here because um, I think this has been some great information and I want people to go pick up the book. It's called Profit First. You can get it on Amazon, but it's a simple system to transform any business from a cash eating monster to a money making machine. So make sure to go check it out. Um, and I'll have it linked up on the show notes over at lewishouse.com. So stay tuned for that specific link. But what are the common pitfalls that set people back when using this specific system? Is there anything that holds people back or that doesn't work for people? Yeah. So the, the most common is to, we talked about earlier, borrow from themselves. They start reserving money for profit. They reserve money for taxes, right? And they borrow from that. So they fall there. Another spot they fall apart is they go too big too fast. They mm. want to play in the pro league when they're not even in the peewees. So you 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 got, you got to stay, start small and slowly build up. Mm. Uh, another area they fall apart is they go it alone. They say I don't need I don't need my accountant to to do profit first. I I don't need uh, I can just do this myself. You, you need that accountability. You need someone that's not emotionally attached to your business because emotion dictates a lot of our actions. So, you know, get, get your mom in there who's doing your books. Um, she sees it from a different perspective. Get an outsider that has no involvement in your business whatsoever, and they'll have a unique perspective. Uh, match up with a peer partner, someone else that's going through this process with you to, to cry on their shoulder when, when times are tight, but will force you to stick to your profitability. Mm. That's the three kind of common areas I suggest. I like that. Yeah. And it's not, and again, guys, it's not about how big you get it's about how healthy you are so how much you can save and how efficient you are is what i've learned and taken away from this this interview so far you know i can make 10 million dollars but be broke <laughs> so i think it's really it's not about like oh but it's all about sales and building and growing for me uh you got to be efficient at the same time if you get to 10 million dollars and you're following the system and you're saving that much then awesome then it's healthy as well so that's, you know, something I get to take a look at is like dropping my ego of just trying to like generate sales mm. and, and really uh, look at being a healthier, more efficient business uh, and in my own personal finances and everything as opposed to just like how much am I, uh, you know, profiting over and just the expenses and the inefficiency that I'm running of my life as a business, my business as a business, everything as a business. So I really get to take a look at that after, you know, diving into this. So I think I appreciate you for sharing this information and doing the research and all the all the hard work you've put into to support people in getting out of debt and profiting first i appreciate that um an absolute pleasure and an honor to be on your show i appreciate it, lewis yeah i've got two final questions yeah uh more personal questions one is um what are you most grateful for recently recently um <laughs> I mean, this is out of nowhere, but my oldest son, um, I was just, I was frustrated with something he was doing and just started removing ourselves, myself from the relationship, meaning just I wasn't acknowledging him, wasn't talking candidly with him and just kind of just being a jerk and uh, just sitting them down and saying, you know what, I'm wrong. And it's, as a dad, it's tough to tell my kids I'm the wrong part. I'm doing something wrong as opposed to telling my kids are doing something wrong. Mm. And uh he was great. He came up, we hugged, we talked, uh, and, and reconnected over this one silly thing that I was just being a, a jerk over. So I, I appreciate that that moment came about and uh, how he responded. We can learn a lot from our children. Mm, very cool. I like that. And the final question is, what's your definition of greatness? Definition of greatness is uh, truly expressing my authentic self. And that's true for everyone. When I meet someone who's, I don't care what your financial status is. I don't care if you're homeless. I don't care who, who you are. I just care that you are really being representative of who you were put on this planet to be. That's pretty badass to me if you are. Mm. 
Mike Michalowicz, thanks so much for coming on and uh, make sure to check out the book, Profit First. And I'll talk to you soon, my man. Oh, thank you. And there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Mike about Profit First. And uh, I thought it was very interesting. I'm going to start applying some of these principles myself and testing it out. But I highly recommend checking out the book and saying hi to Mike over on Twitter and Facebook and all those other lovely places. But also go back to the show notes at lewishouse.com slash 93 so that you can get all the info that we talked about today, all the links, videos, pictures, all the fun stuff that we always link up in the show notes. It's all over back at lewishouse.com slash 93. Now, I appreciate you guys again so much for subscribing, so much for sharing and leaving reviews and all the things you guys do. So keep it up. I'm going to continue bringing the thunder with awesome guests, with amazing, inspiring stories, with great content. And it's uh, all free for you guys. So thanks so much for all you do. Can't wait to get to number 100. And uh, I'm so pumped for what we've been creating together. So thank you guys so much. You know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. Great.